0: Welcome to the Westside Gathering podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in.
1: So for those who are new to Westside, uh, my name's Daria. I've been attending Westside for around uh, 15 years now. Um, <clears throat> I'm married to Matt, who just led us in worship and uh, we have a seven-year-old son who took off to Sunday school as fast as he could um, and a around nine-year-old dog. So that's a little bit about me, us. Um, we, uh, I, full disclosure, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. Um, I actually work for an organization called Waybase, uh, which is all about bringing the church together for good. And we do that through uh, data, technology, and networks. So we have an amazing data team, uh, as you could see up here, uh, that has mapped the Christian sector across Canada. Uh, there's around uh, 32,000 cr- Christian charities in Canada. Uh, 77% of those are churches, and the the revenue of the Christian sector across Canada we've discovered is between 14 and 15 billion dollars a year. Um, and so we've also developed this uh, platform through technology. Uh, a platform to, to help understand who's around you. Uh, it's called Waybase, um, as well as an app uh, that's really uh, exists to help people discover their spiritual life in a new way. Um, and then there's the network part of it, which is what I get to do. And uh, I, I work with city networks across Canada, helping them work better together, uh, churches work better together for the good of their cities and communities. So that's what I do nine to five. Um, we actually just finished a, uh, a city impact tour. Um, our Montreal event was right here at Westside. You could see the picture. Um, and we brought together pastors and Christian leaders in, in Montreal. We had the mayor, Jim Bass, here, uh, the director of the Tab de Cartier, sharing on basically how churches could work better together to serve their community. Um, so yeah, we did that right here at Westside in Montreal, so it's really great. So that's a little bit about me. Um, we're going to jump right in. We are talking about, uh, we've been in this series called Sela, reading through the psalms, different psalms, and so Dave told me I could speak on any psalm I wanted to, um, and so I chose Psalm 131, and uh, the first time I read the psalm was actually in, 2. well, I probably read it before this, but in 2010, I did this uh, reflective prayer retreat for transformational leadership or something like that. I was finishing my graduate degree and this was a course and, um, and we learned how to pray Lectio Divina. Has anyone heard of Lectio Divina? There's um, Dave and uh, uh, has talked about the Lectio 365 app. I think Nathan talked about it a few weeks ago also. But that's sort of what Lectio Divina prayer is. It's the divine reading of scripture or the prayerful reading of scripture. And so when I learned how to to pray in this way, it was actually reading uh, this this psalm, Psalm 131. And it's one of the shortest psalms. It's only three verses. And it's all about uh, resting in God. And so, resting in God is uh, something I've been maybe struggling through a little more the last couple years, but really working at, uh, working hard at, Um, and it's something that I just feel like is so relevant to our world right now, uh, as we, as many people struggle to to rest in these times. So let's read it. Um, It's going to be on the screen, and I'll, I'll read it. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. Another word for haughty is arrogant or to think that you're better than others. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I have calmed and quieted myself. Some translations say my soul. I've calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned mother, like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. So there's a real tension between uh, this, I find, um, and the way our world is living right now. Um, I do not occupy myself with things too great or marvelous for me. How easy is it for us to occupy ourselves and worry about so many things happening? I know I find myself in that place often. Um, as I was doing some research on this psalm, I actually found the anti-Psalm 131, which a pastor in Vancouver wrote, and I just loved it because it really showed like the tension between what God calls us to and what we're struggling through and living through right now. So I'm going to read the anti-Psalm to you, which, which see if you could identify with any of this. My heart is proud, and I am absorbed in myself. My eyes are lifted high, and I look down on those around me, and maybe those who think differently than you. I obsess over things too great or too difficult for me. I'm noisy and restless inside. I'm like a hungry infant fussing on his mother's lap. Like a hungry infant, I'm restless with my demands and my worries. I scatter my hopes unto anything and everybody, all the time. So yeah, the heartache in in the world right now, I'm starting to see is pretty evident. We're hearing of mental health struggles on the rise, suicide rates are increasing, um, addiction and drug overdose. uh, We're starting to see uh, like never before as we come out of COVID, especially PTSD, um, actually, on our city impact tour uh, that we just did, we went to 15 cities, and there we interviewed different mayors and city councillors. And there was two common things that came up in every single city that as a need that they're starting to discover in their city. One, affordable housing is a real problem across Canada, as you could imagine. And the second thing is mental health and drug overdose. There's so many drug overdoses right now that cities just don't know what to do. In fact, the city of Windsor, in the city of Windsor in Ontario, we had uh, one of the health ministers there, and he said, you know, we said, what can churches do to better serve the city? And he's like, honestly, if every church could just get a Narcan kit and train to learn how to bring people back to life when they overdose on drugs, that would be such a gift to our city. And then he took it a step further, and he actually said, if you could... um, create safe injection sites, which is a little controversial, maybe in a church, but create safe injection sites where people could go to take their drugs so that they're not doing them alone in their home so that they don't overdose. And when they do overdose, they actually have someone who could bring them back to life because that's the problem is that there's so many people doing drugs home alone and dying because of it. And so he said, you know, if the church in Windsor could create safe injection sites and have Narcan kits, then that would be such a gift to our city. Because people are broken and hurting, perhaps like never before. It's so easy for us to obsess over things and worries and noise in our head that this just become too great for us. But then King David says, "But I've calmed and quieted myself." And so how do we calm and quiet ourselves in a world that is so um, difficult? Uh, In Psalm 42, verse 5 and 6, I'll have this on the screen, um, King David also talks to his soul, and he says, "'My soul, why are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God.'" So it seems like King David, and I love this because it just reminds me of my journal so often, but it seems King David actually believes that we can calm and quiet our soul, that you could talk to your soul and you could, you could work through things. Um, I've been reading a little bit of uh, John Eldridge recently, and so he's a, he's a counselor and an author, and he talks about what it is to calm and quiet your soul. And he argues that if you could just take three minutes a day to just love Jesus, it will begin to heal your soul. Begin to heal. I mean, I think I need at least 10, but he says three. Um, and for some, that's just three minutes of worship music, three minutes of reading scripture over your lives and knowing who you are. He also says to name the trauma. We've all experienced some form of uh, definite trauma in the last few years. Um, he says, name the trauma, write it down, name what's eating your soul, um, write that down, uh, and then share it with some trusted friends or a community group. He also says, silence in the morning and the evening that allows you to release everything to God. He calls this benevolent attachment, you know, where you could sit there and say, um, I give everything to you, God, the heavy news report we just heard, the injustice in the world, my struggling child, my frustrating parents, the difficult situation I'm facing at work, my health, my loss, my finances, my relationships, if we could do that twice a day, just sit present with God and give those things to him, that is one way to calm and quiet your soul. Uh, Augustine says, you must empty yourself of all that fills you so that you may be filled with the presence of God. And Dallas Willard says, more of me belongs to more of God. And when more of us belongs to more of God, that's when we could truly begin to calm and quiet our souls. So when COVID first hit, this, I feel like this is very COVID-ish. It's like I'm, maybe I'm going through the PTSD of coming out of COVID. Um, but when COVID first hit, uh, for me, I was leading the West Island Network. I was facilitating our poverty reduction roundtable in the West Island um, and uh, we had just launched a big project called Love Your Neighbours, and I operate really well in crisis. So, I, I, you know, when I'm under pressure, that's when I could like step up and do great things. Uh, I love it. It's, uh, so when COVID hit, I was like all in trying to figure out how we serve our community, you know, grocery shopping, starting programs. Um, And then I started to realize, wow, like, I am tired. And I started to see my colleagues burning out around me. And they say human burnout is an accumulation of a thousand disappointments or a thousand pivots. Uh, It's normally not just one big thing that happens in our life that makes us burn out and tired, it's many things that happened. And so over time, things were getting heavy, things were getting hard, people were burning out. And I realized I needed uh, I needed to do something. I couldn't wait till the weekend to rest. I couldn't wait till my summer vacation to rest. And I heard this uh, podcast about the importance or the idea of a morning routine to renew your soul. Um, actually, it wasn't Christian at all, but I kind of made it Christian for myself. But to renew my soul. And so, uh, yeah, we have it up here. So this is this is what I started to do every morning. And I loved it because I could do it in seven minutes. These were seven things. You could do it in one minute or you could do it longer. So these were like my time frames. And so I would do it in, in minimum seven minutes a day. That's all you need to start this. Um, but I would start by planning my day. What are the top three things I need to get done today? And I would time all this. I would put my timer on one minute, whatever times I decided for each thing, depending on how much time I had that morning. And then I'd spend between one to five minutes in silence. Uh, Then I would move into gratitude. I would list the things that I'm thankful for every morning. Uh, Again, that's timed, depending on my time. And then I would uh, also list who I wanted to be that day, my affirmations. So things like, I'm going to work hard today uh, in the time that I have to work. Uh, I'm going to love Matt and Gabe really well today. I'm going to be present with my family when my family gets home. I'm going to listen to God's voice while I work today. Whatever I wanted to be and do that day, I would I would write it down. And then I would take a minute or two or three and just sit there and visualize that and pray for it. And then I would exercise, also very soul-giving. Um, and even if I only had a minute to exercise, then I would do a minute of push-ups or a minute of sit-ups or stretching or something. And then I'd read, usually my Bible, and then journal. And for about a year, this is how I started my day. Um, There's a journal there, I think it's hard to see, but I think that was October 20th, 2020. And this gave me so much life through such a difficult season. Um, I encourage you to try it if you don't have a morning routine yet. Um, But eventually, uh, it became, um, I don't know, like I felt like I needed more, like I wanted to go deeper. I wasn't sure how to do that. Um, and last summer, it was like literally a year ago this time, we had our, our Vuldroy community group over at our house in our backyard. And uh, we were all sort of catching up on life. We went around the table. Everyone shared their update. And Denise and John Roberts were there. And Denise was like, she was different. She just was like lighter. She had peace. And so she got to her turn of sharing her update. And she was like, yeah, I've been working with a spiritual director and I'm I'm just like growing in my faith, and I'm just learning, you know, how to walk with God in this new and different, and I was like, clearly, because you just are like radiant, Um, and then she started to tell us about this, uh, you know, her spiritual director, you know, there's, there's this Ignatius retreat, so Ignatius created this like 30-day retreat, but it's, it's a retreat that's over eight months, and uh, it's like in real life, uh, and it's an hour a day, and uh, you know, you meet, uh, every two weeks on Zoom with a few women and the spiritual director, and we learned to listen to each other. And uh, and we just, it's like a really great opportunity to grow and just go deeper in your faith. And I was like, oh, that's that sounds amazing. She's like, Daria, do you want to do it with me? And I was like, well, I don't have an hour a day. Like, I can't do this. I'm already busy, and I work, and Gabe's starting grade one, and, like, I don't, I don't have an hour a day, but it sounds amazing. Like, you should totally do this. Um and then they left that night and I was just like the conviction of like, Daria, you're about to go into a very hard season and you know this and you need me more than ever. Um, and so, you know, I was like, I guess I could watch a little bit more Shitt's Creek at night and do a little bit more time with God. Um, and so I finally decided, yes, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to commit to this. I'm going to commit to this hour a day for eight months uh, to do this retreat and during this retreat as you guys know um we've been praying for denise she was diagnosed with cancer um she's she's young she's healthy doesn't make sense uh why she um, was diagnosed with cancer but our our group kind of walked with her through this and i must say i think getting cancer is one of my greatest fears in life and to watch her walk through this With so much trust in God, because she was literally letting her soul rest in God every single day, was incredible. She felt like she just found such beautiful rest in God through such a difficult season of her life. It was such a testimony to me to just see her do this. Um, And I actually saw her this week, and uh, I said something about like she's just. She said, people say to her how strong she is. And she's like, honestly, Daria, like, I don't feel strong at all. I feel like God is just giving me so much strength to get through every day. She's learned to find find rest. And so she wrote in her blog also this week. Um, I just found it so beautiful as she hopes and uh, hopes through this next season of life Um We'll put it up on the screen. But Denise, she's talking about coming out of chemo. She just finished chemo, and she's, she's going into radiation next. And she says in her blog, even so, it was unto something else. I found out I have the best friend I could ever ask for, who wasn't joking when he vowed in sickness and in health. I found out that at least some parts of our healthcare system are working well. I found out that there's a community that will support me. I found out that my body can take a few hits and come back. I found out that I could be patient with my limitations. And I found God's faithfulness to me in my fear. And I found God's faithfulness to me in my fear. So I'm going to savor this relief, however temporary, and take in the last bits of summer with gusto. Denise has truly calmed and quieted her soul." Now, she probably doesn't always feel like a weaned child with its mother, which we're going to move into that, this this contentment. Um, some translations say, um, like a well-fed child with its mother. Uh, I never quite understood what, what this um, passage or this verse really meant. Uh, like a wean child with its mother, like what, does, what exactly does that actually look like? Some of you moms out there might know. Um, but I remember when I had Gabe, uh, I figured it out and I remember sitting there realizing, oh, this is what this means. Um, so I had a really hard labor and delivery. I'll spare you those details. Um, but my first night back at home, Gabriel was about three days old, he was three days old, and he cried the whole night. Like I just, I w- I'd been awake for four days, I was exhausted, I didn't understand, he was crying all night, and um, that morning we're like, okay, actually and my mother-in-law, my mother-in-law was a nurse at the children's, and she offered, she's like, do you want me to come spend the first night at, you know, and I was like, no, I don't need you, like I read the books, I'm good, I'm, I'm ready to be a mom, like I got this, and uh, yeah, it was just terrible. And so the next morning, Matt and I drove back to the hospital with Gabe screaming. And uh, they took him, they weighed him, and they, he'd lost over 10% of his birth weight. And they said to us, your child is starving. Like, he's hungry. That's, that's the problem. And uh, it turns out that apparently, the nurse told us, when you have very hard labor and deliveries, sometimes it takes five days for your milk to come in. And so my milk just hadn't come in yet, and so he was he was starving. Um, so, you know, we started with these little shot glass sippy cups of formula, and we started feeding him, and it really worked. He was a different child. It was amazing, and I called my mother-in-law, and I told her, I need you to come sleep over tonight for two nights. She saved, saved us. Um, and it was a, f- a few weeks later that, you know, I was getting the hang of this mom thing and he was eating well. And finally, I was sitting there and I was like, this is what a weaned child with its mother looks like. Alexa, you could put that picture up. So that's, uh, that's Gabe as a weaned child with his mother. Um, so happy, so content, so um, full of peace and joy. Um... It was amazing. And this verse just spoke to me in that moment, like, yeah, this is a wean child with its mother. I C- wish we could all just look like that. Um, so as we finish up, I wanted to share a bit of a personal story um, that will lead us into closing. Uh, so many of you might know this because you some of you have been praying for us for years for matt and i um, but gabe uh, did not come to be easily he was uh, four years of uh, infertility iui ivf countless treatments i honestly can't even remember how many uh, it took us to have him lots of prayer um, lots of different diets lots of naturopaths, lots of acupuncture um, we literally did it all, and uh, I said I would never uh, do that again. I've responded really badly to IVF, and I thought I'm I'm never doing that again. And then we had Gabe, who was a miracle uh, after four years, and um, and uh, we started to try again for a second, thinking maybe we could do this. They say your first two years after you have a baby are the most fertile, um, so we we tried. Um, Gabe started to pray for a brother and sister, or sister. Um, Matt and I always thought we'd have a big family. Matt, actually, one of his reasons why he became a teacher was because he wanted to be home uh, in the summer with his children that he wanted to have many of. Um, we uh, It was our dream to have a large family, and, um, and 2021 was a year for us that we finally decided after, um, Gabe praying for brother or sister, you know, us maybe learning a bit more about what maybe could be wrong with our bodies, although no doctor was able to tell us. And so 2021 was a year. We went all in, in faith, and we said, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I literally ate like organic vegetables and meat for a year. I ate the cleanest diet, saw all kinds of specialists, tried to figure it out, and we said, if we can't figure it out after all this trying, then we'll, we'll do one more round of IVF. And uh, we just want to try to give Gabe that brother or sister. And so um, in November, we transferred two embryos to me. And for two weeks, we had complete hope. Um, we, we had people praying for us. We were hoping. We were visualizing. We were imagining it. We had faith that God could do a miracle. The IVF process actually went pretty well. Um, and, I, and we were anticipating twins, and we were really excited. Um, and in case you can't tell, I'm not nine months pregnant with twins. Um, and it, it didn't work. And uh, it was something that was really hard for us. Um, and it was also one of those things that uh, is just too great for us to understand. I may never understand why... Um, we went through 10 years of infertility. Um, we did everything no doctor could tell us, and it's a matter that is just too great. But we have learned, I I could truly say I've learned to trust God in this, and yeah, we might never know. We might, we might know one day, uh, but we might never know. Um, but we have learned to calm and quiet our soul and to trust God through something that is so much bigger than us and um, our family. So as we close, um, I don't know where we're all at today. I don't know what is maybe worrying your soul, um, where you're you're struggling to trust God this morning, um, what matters too great for you uh, that you're working through. But I know I do know what Jesus says in uh, Matthew 11. He says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And I know that that is true. So I'm going to invite Matt up uh, as we close. And... Um, I'm actually just—we're gonna practice a little lectio divina as we close up. I'm gonna read again um, Psalm 131 slowly, and uh, Matt's gonna play, and we'll finish with a song. And um, and I just want you, as I as I read through the psalm, to see what word or phrase stands out to you. If there's something in here that you just need to slow down with, um, that God is speaking to you. Um, then I just invite you and encourage you to do that, and we'll have a a few moments of silence and I'll close in prayer. Psalm 131. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. I am like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child I am content. Israel put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. I invite you to just sit with that for a little bit. God, I thank you that we can rest in you. I thank you that we don't know all the answers. We don't see um, the great matters the way that you see them. But God, we know that you see them. And we know that you walk with us in them. and we know that you will give our souls rest as we trust in you. God, help us as a church to trust you. Trust you in deeper and stronger ways, God, like we've never trusted before. God, in a world that is hurting, in a world that is broken, in a world that needs your hope, and your joy and your love and your strength God help our souls to rest and to be present to the world go before us this week God help us to rest in you every day this week in Jesus name amen
0: Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.